Hello, I'm Jennifer Thompson. And I'm Chad Thompson. And we are your hosts of The The Premise, Premise. where we get to the story behind the storyteller. And this season, we've got some amazing storytellers lined up, and we really appreciate you listening. Be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Let's roll. Autobots, roll out. Hello and welcome to The Premise. Today, Chad and I have the pleasure of speaking with Dan and Sandy Smith of Smith Publicity. You might remember them from episode 36. If you did not hear that episode, I highly recommend that you go back and take a listen. We got into the nitty gritty of book publicity and Smith Publicity's philosophy on book publicity. You know, uh, Smith is one of the few book, book publicity firms in the nation that markets both traditional and indie published books and self-published titles. So Dan founded Smith Publicity in 1997, and they've been doing innovative work and staying ahead of the curve in their ever dynamic, constantly evolving industry that is publishing. So Dan, Sandy, welcome to The Premise. Hello. Hello, Jennifer. We're so happy to be here again. Yay. You know, we were, we asked you back because your episode got so many listens and has been so popular. I thought, you know what? So much has changed in the world, <laughs> let alone publishing. <laughs> Since we talked, we need to kind of come back and like see what you've been up to and what has changed. So how are you two? We're good. Yeah. When, when was the last... When did the last episode air? I can't remember. In the before times. <laughs> oh, 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 Chad. You know, I didn't even look at it. Um, I want to say it was season two. We're in season four. So, yeah, season two, about two years ago. It was right before COVID, actually. Oh, gosh. What, so what a time that so was. So, yeah, nothing's changed. <laughs> nothing's changed at all, nothing, yeah. Nothing's changed. Same old, same old. Um, <laughs> so so when, when we we had um, what we call the party of the century mm. um, right before COVID, Dan, if you want to say what happened on February 29th, 2020. Oh, my son, uh, Alex, had his bar mitzvah. And it, like Sandy said, it was, it was leap year day of February. and the if you remember there was uh, word was going around about the virus and then literally about five days later things shut down wow. so i think he had the last bar mitzvah before covid literally <laughs> the last one yeah and no one yeah. got sick no one got no sick. thank goodness no one got sick yes it wasn't it wasn't too prevalent here at february 29th, but obviously two weeks later, we shut our office down and we were always poised to work remote. Most of our people are all spread out all over the country, but yeah. we do have a core core office. And um, we were very fortunate in that we were always hybrid and we've been hybrid for 20 years plus. So that that shift we were very fortunate um, that our publicists could keep going with their their work um, while the world was rapidly changing around us. But, yeah. um, but here we are back and um, there, there are some good things that happened because of COVID in the book publicity world um, and some sad things like the, the demise of book expo America um, that um, 
and, and BookCon too, which which we liked but didn't love as much from a business perspective. Sure, um, same. But, yeah. but yes, yes, it was a lot of fun. But you know, most of our clients weren't dressing up in costumes and really enjoying the literary life. Although that's where, um, especially my kids when they were younger, we would have liked to have participated. But things are starting to really come back from an industry perspective. Um, but even from a, an opportunity perspective, there have been such shifts like for example um we really liked that broadcast media national tv we're we're doing interviews by zoom right because that 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 kind of democratized a bit of the opportunities where people who weren't living in the big uh, the big cities especially around new york city had more opportunity to talk about their book their passion their work mm. um when, when zoom was there so we loved it and authors didn't have to travel and fly and change schedules and as you can imagine over the years before covid we had authors who would fly into new york city for their big interview be in the studio be in their green room yeah, real then, green rooms. <laughs> real green rooms yeah. um, w- with the fancy fruit. And, and then and then they would just get shut down because we're breaking news story. Oh, so it was. Wow. Yeah. So 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 that kind of uh, it was so devastating. It didn't happen that often, but it didn't have to didn't have to happen often enough that we had to really prepare our clients that this is a potential outcome when you go to the national shows. So having it, you know, during during COVID have the Zoom opportunities was fantastic because it just allowed people to show up very quickly from yeah. their schedule perspective. And you could be sitting on an island somewhere enjoying <laughs> life and then pop in to do national TV, then go right back to your daily life. Now, what's interesting is TV for authors is going back to in-person. So we're now having to shift again, but that's what life is in publishing shifts and shifts. Yeah, absolutely. And buyouts <laughs> or attempted yes. buyouts well, that didn't go through. Yes, that, that did not go through. That was fascinating, wasn't it? Oh, nar- narrowly dodged bullet there, I think. Jeez. Yes. Well, I, yes. I kind of, not to steal your thunder, Chad, but I, I kind of want to go back to the how Zoom has really changed our world, especially for like smaller authors and smaller presses and accessibility. You know, everyone uses Zoom now. It's not like you have to learn. You just know how. Because if you wanted to have access to humanity, you needed to learn. And people did. All ages. And, you know, on our podcast, we interview people all over the world. And Warwick's one of our coolest bookstores here. It's a small family-owned bookstore here in La Jolla in San Diego. They have me interview authors in England. Whereas before they didn't have access to those authors because they were all in person, right? So that's been, and they're going to hold on to that. Like they, that's one of the things that they took as a positive out of the COVID years. And I, I hope that the same might be true for some broadcast, maybe not national, but, but it's very interesting in terms of access and a little bit more equity, right? And I, exactly. I, I can't remember if before COVID, if I use Zoom, it was that, I can't remember. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it was interesting. It was kind of annoying because, like, oh, I, now I have to be on camera. And, and where it was, we were just used to phone calls with people. And now we wouldn't go back. And I was just explaining to someone yesterday that when I'm talking to an author, I so prefer that, that 
that communication as we're talking about their goals. Why did you write this book? Why at this time in your life? And I'm explaining, you know, book publicity and the things that they have to do and what we could potentially do. And I can see in their eyes if they Mm -hmm. are completely lost and this is brand new information or if they're like, you know, yes, I get this. Or if they're distracted, like I've got to wrap this up because they're in a different world. Just little communication like that helps helps me. Exactly. helps me better understand how to present some pretty complex topics to when, when it's a brand new, you know, people brand new to this crazy world of book marketing and book publicity. So yeah, (laughs) Zoom has been helpful for that. But, but I remember attending an event for an author who was from England, actually, doing a reading. And people from all over the world were able to attend instead of just the neighborhood bookstore crowd. That's right. So it, re- it really was, I'm, I'm hoping that never goes away. I agree. You know what else I like about it is a lot of these interviews are now recorded and they're out there forever. You know, so I can look up an interview from a small bookstore in, you know, Minneapolis or Des Moines and see a really cool interview that would have otherwise been gone forever, right? So now -hmm. it's there for posterity. Yeah. Which helps the author. Then we've got more links. It's better for SEO. It's better for that online visibility and their overall branding. So it's pretty cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. So did things slow down or speed up for you? (laughs) At first, go ahead. You want you talk, Dan. Well, I mean, at first, I think Sandy was going to say there was kind of a state of paralysis in the industry, like in the world, I guess, for mm-hmm. for a bit where we, it was very uncertain. And as, again, with most businesses, and um, that was a very um, scary time because things kind of just, I didn't say they stopped, but very much slowed down. Everybody's trying to figure out what is going to happen and how things are going to move on. But after that, uh, we did quite well. Sandy, if you want to talk about that. Sure. Um, we got a little bit creative in terms of... Of course you did. That's, kind- that's totally your <laughs> brand. <laughs> I love it. And <laughs> the kind of ways that we were helping authors, which, which kind of goes to um, a, a bigger part of our services now, um, it's consulting services. So... Before, when we would work with an author, we would just jump in and do our media outreach. That's what we do, and that's our bread and butter, and that's what we get excited to do. And sometimes when we'd start with an author, like, oh, gosh, if we could have just talked to them six months before, because they need a better website. They need they needed to be talking about their book on their social platform three months ago, six months ago. They, they want to be speakers, but they don't even have a speaker reel or a page Hmm. or a link or a tab Mm -hmm. that says they're speakers, but one of their primary goal is, you know, generate speaking opportunities, but they weren't prepared. So what we ended up doing is having kind of conversations about, okay, there's media and that's never, that's what we do, again, the bread and butter, but there are other things that we can really help authors to support their overall goals, whether it was, okay, let's talk about your Amazon um, Author Central page. You don't have that set up. It's it's your website on Amazon. It's great, as you said earlier, for SEO, for, you know, search. Let's help you set that up. 
or you know, giving them guides on book awards, Goodreads giveaways. Nice. The, the, yeah. You know how to use your media placements in your um, your socials, your platform, your bio on Amazon, all kinds of things that are kind of on the outskirts of you know media outreach, but are important support um, that just helps the media see their credentials, to see their their platform. And helps with their longer-term plans of audience growth and branding and who they are. Uh, so, so we, so that's what we did. Is we whether we did book awards or um, helped them compose emails to their their network. How, you have all these people at your fingertips who are ready to support your book. All right, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what the asks are. Is it a podcast? Is it a blurb? Is it mentioned on their social? When is the best time to do that? So these are the conversations we were honestly, guys, having informally mm. that we started to to make more um, more 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 formal, more um, with, with documentation, with better conversations rather than oh, by the way, I noticed that this could be. Let's be more um, proactive with this information. So. That's something that we solidified during during the dark days of COVID, um, <laughs> and 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 then what we do now is it's pretty much standard with our um, publicity options that we start maybe three months, six months before we begin media outreach if we have the luxury of that timing um, to help have those conversations to guide them. Now we're not website executors or we're not social media executors, but we tell them these are the kind of strategies that we hope that you have in place. Um, so that's what that's one thing that we did during um, during the slowdown of people like, oh, should I be investing in publicity? What is this going to be doing now um, that we could help them in other ways? Nice. What do you think it was about, you know, the shift that was happening as a result of COVID that made you go there? Do you think it was more time or just trying to think outside the box or like what brought you there? Do you think? Sandy, would part of it be um, part of what prompted us a bit was the supply chain problems with, mm, with more updates, time. Being, updates being pushed and pushed and pushed. Yeah. And, but in developing the consulting, which Sandy led the development of it or the formalization of it, that consulting could often take place during these delays in pub times because of the the supply chain. Would that be accurate, Sandy? Absolutely. Oh, oh gosh, I completely forgot about the yeah, I was chaos. Yeah, we got to talk of, about that. <laughs> you know, the, of, of paper printing, um, especially with the smaller um, publishers that we'd be working with where the, the big guys got priority on the printing presses, right? Sure. And so, um, so what do we do in the meantime? The, 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 They've already kind of had this groundswell of interest in the book. What are some of the things that we could do? So that was absolutely part of the pivoting that we had to do during during COVID. And it was also the rise, which I was thrilled about, the rise of sharing PDFs instead of print books right, for um, right. reviewers and media, because it just... One, it costs a lot less money. We're saving on trees for people, let's face it, who aren't buying the book or likely going to keep it. Um, and it gives, you know, so it saves on postage, it saves on time. And 
if there is a something that the author is changing in the book, they could easily update it and um, send the new version the next day if needed. Sure. So, yeah. So back back before COVID, I would say ninety percent of the media wanted a physical copy of the book and now that switch where maybe we, we used to ask for oh 50 75 100 copies of a book now we're asking for 15 or 20 copies and it's great wow that's incredible yeah that's yeah. quite a shift and it, it's a huge shift and i hope it remains because it just is so much more efficient and cost savings for for the authors and publishers and us well, too because we're not handling as many books the post office might not like it but I think it's 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 a it's a win for everybody else. Yeah, and just so our audience is clear, when she's talking about those fifty to seventy five books you used to order, you're talking about advanced reader copies. Yes, or even even final copies, because that's another shift in the industry too. Is that publishers are not always producing printed versions of advanced reader copies mm. or or galleys. So oh, that's great. Um, yeah. So so it is, but. Because it's expensive and, and without the printers being available, it just wasn't an option to have printed mm. versions of these books. So having a PDF to share safely, and we, of course, put them up on our favorite NetGalley. Um, we can talk a little bit about what NetGalley is and, yeah. and how authors use that. Let's do that. Um, Net, yeah, NetGalley, I think we were one of the first um, oh gosh, I can't even remember how how many how long we've been using NetGalley, um, but we were one of the first publicity agencies to kind of embrace the technology. We were like the beta testers back in the day. But what NetGalley is, is we upload a PDF or um, some version of the book. Um, there's usually three or four different formats that they're asking for, for better legibility on the user end. But it's an electronic version of the book that librarians, bookstore owners, bloggers, book reviewers, media can see that this book is available. And of course, we have, you know, wonderful author descriptions and the genre and why this book could be interesting to different audiences. And then if, if a NetGalley user, again, somebody who's interested in reviewing or recommending books is interested in the book, we can give access to download the book for a potential review or recommendation. So NetGalley is a huge um, asset in the publishing world, and it has helped boost discoverability for for many, many books. Typically, NetGalley is um, a little more friendlier to fiction and um, fiction books rather than the dry nonfiction mergers and acquisition, you know, one-on-one. Um, so it's, it's a little bit more consumer um, friendly. This definitely nonfiction is still great. And, and we certainly have a lot of success there, but it's really exciting for um, the fiction world. In my experience, NetGalley was really expensive. So to have an account on NetGalley, I mean, you pay quite a bit. Is that still the case or is it a little bit more accessible these days? Well, back when it first started, they did not want individual authors coming to directly to them. Mm-hmm. And it made, and I said, but why? But it <laughs> made sense because the amount of 
technical um, training they would have to do to get the book cover, to help people upload the um, author headshots and all the different um, versions of the book, the EPUB, the Mobi, the PDF, and what that meant. And if the files were too big, especially for children's books, they, you know, there was file size limitations. So they really only wanted professional users to be in charge of uploading and um, approving requests and all that good stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm actually not sure if individual authors can go um, to NetGalley and, and have an account, but a lot of times they'll work through IBPA um, yeah. that, that you, you, can, you can get some, some NetGalley exposure through there or going through or your publisher or of course going through an agency like us to manage the net galley presence there. So mm-hmm. it, it's definitely an investment on our end and we can have, oh gosh, I'm not even sure how many books we can have at a time, maybe 20, 25 books that we have up at any one time. Um, and but there's also investments um in cover love and cover reveals and they have newsletters for different themes. Um, I remember one year there was a baseball theme. So they put all the baseball books into a newsletter and sent it out to people who might've checked that they like sports books. So they really do a great job in getting your book in front of people who were interested in very specific genres. Nice. And I have a NetGalley account because of the podcast. So I get a lot yeah. of my arcs through NetGalley. Oh, which is Lucky cool. You. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cool. And I can go on and I can request books. I can say, hey, I'm very interested in this. And I can request it from the publisher or whoever's account it is. And most of the mm-hmm. time I'd, I'd get the copy. Um, you know, they look at your account and see if they want to actually give you a copy, or if, if it makes sense. And usually yes. I get one. Yeah. Yeah, you, we, we can pre-approve. We can pre-approve people so we know they're legit. And so they don't even have to ask. They can just download it. But we're pretty mm, particular nice. of, of just the general public because we don't want to give away yeah, the book right? to people <laughs> who, who aren't profession, kind of a professional reader. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned something that I think is important to just take a quick step back. You mentioned IBPA such a wonderful organization and so many opportunities for promotion and just learning about book publishing and independent publishing, independent book publishers association (laughs) for our listeners out there. Check it out. Independent book publishers association. The URL is IBPA-online.org. So, all right. Um, Awesome. And you're pretty, you're pretty active at IBPA, aren't you? I am. Yeah. I teach classes online. And also the (laughs) conference is going to be in San Diego in Coronado, actually, for the first time in my lifetime, because I've been speaking at IBPA since 2005. Wow. Wow. We have have some people going to that, right, Sandy? Yeah, we sure do. Um, Kelly um, Rendina, who is going to be speaking there um, at, it, it, she's so excited to go to, um, to sit. she's like, should I go to the zoo in my downtime? What should I do? Because she's just excited. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, I, I have to email her because this is my yeah. city. Yeah. yeah. You guys are so great yeah. at, at, you know, making us feel welcome when we come to your coast. So you're coming to our coast. We're going to talk about this. And yes, yes to the zoo. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, yes to the zoo. So she, she's going to be speaking um, at the event, um, I guess, in just a few weeks. Mm-hmm. But even next week, we have some um, folks going to the London Book Fair, nice. which we're, we're just so excited for these in-person opportunities again. 
It's so weird going out into public and being a part of events. It's like electric. It's thrilling. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, I'm with you. I'm with you, other humans. And here I am out in the world, you know? It's like, I think we need it, right? Absolutely. Just the energy that yeah. you get in person. That we, did, you, did you do the, um, I think they called it like the book trade show that Publishers Weekly put on? Um, I think that they, they did it um, 2021. I don't think they did it in 2020. We, we did it and we designed a virtual booth and it was kind of a fun but crazy experience i don't know if you did i I can't remember it was some the name of it was like the book show or something i did not the 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 u.s book fair maybe or something like that yes 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 it was it it was it i felt like we were in a in a movie Hmm. as you could you could walk (laughs) through virtually and and go hang out in this room or go see yeah it it was it was interesting you know, I attended quite a few virtual conferences, and some of them are really well done. And just thinking outside the box to get people to actually engage and interact, even though they're at home in front of a computer, I still <laughs> had that sense of camaraderie, right, and networking mm-hmm. and meeting people. And it was there were still some very exciting events, but you you had to get people to take a step further, not just attend and just watch, but, you know, actually engage. And they had contests. In fact, IVPA did a virtual conference that was really well done, an opportunity for people to meet each other. And there was like a hangout room where people could talk to exactly. each other. And it, it felt, <laughs> it felt good. Like it was, it's what we had. And that's great. I do think <laughs> in person's better, but um, and the IBPA conference is coming up. It's Publishing University. It's it's happening the 5th, 6th, and 7th. Well, actually, I think it's the 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th here in Coronado. So people should definitely check that out. And then they can meet Kelly and, and meet yes. me in person if you haven't met me. I'll be there. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I think one of the other things that COVID did is it brought organizations together in terms of networking with each other and raising visibility to, you know, events that we kind of co-collaborate or co-market or, you know, promoting that networking and that sense of community was so much even more important than it was before. Absolutely. And I think COVID and and especially from our author's perspective, people were generous. Mm. People were giving away. Mm. like it you know like okay i I, i'm i'm doubling down i'm giving away webinars for free seminars for free workbooks for free books for free and and trying to kind of give back and 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 be kind to their fellow humans during that time and i know there's obviously sometimes a a branding and i want to be seen as someone who is giving back but the people I talked to, Jennifer, it, it went deeper than that. They really wanted to feel like they were doing something positive for their communities. Definitely. Yeah. No, I got a lot of that too. I think people were digging a little deeper into their empathy um, bucket, if you will, <laughs> you know, because yes. we were all feeling hurt and lost and scared. Frankly, it was a scary time. It's still scary, right? It it, it, it sure is. Although the other the, thing... I think you- Yesterday, the president officially declared <laughs> COVID emergency over. Yeah. So, oh. Uh, yeah. So no uh, more emergency funding. Yeah. <laughs> so three years later, it's officially over. It's done. Yay. Yeah. We've it's eradicated over. it. Yeah. Oh Yay. Ex- excellent. Good. Done. Over. Um, <laughs> but 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 one of the other things that came out of COVID, and, and we kind of laughed at it during the time, is 
um, the surge in new books, people were home and writing. Did you, totally. did you see that? And, and, and your and your work and your end of the world that um, 2021 was a busy year <laughs> for you know, books. Absolutely. In fact, just two days ago, I interviewed Susanna Hoffs of the Bengals. You may have heard of her. Ooh, oh, she, yes. Yeah. And she just released her debut novel, This Bird Has Flown. And she said, you know, it was because of COVID that I was able to finally finish this book. And a lot of authors that I've talked to, who I've talked to, have said the same thing. You know, I had this time to actually finally do something. So I think people either renovated their homes, redid their <laughs> landscaping, or they wrote a book, right? Or, or a screenplay, or, you know, they finally did that passion creative project. How much, would you say that you got busier because of those types of projects? Or how much did you see that in your world? A hundred percent, right, mm. Dan? 2021 was our busiest. Our busiest Busiest year. I think. I think overall, our best year ever. I think. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah twenty twenty two was close, but it was unprecedented. The the number of authors that were coming out with books, and many of them were because they had they weren't traveling. Yeah. They were. They had a lot more time to think and reflect and to tap into whether it was something creative or messages that they were just excited to get out to the world. And, and I don't know if it's, uh, it was interesting in 2022, and maybe it was COVID fatigue had set it in or something, but at least for our business, um, the beginning of 2022 was, was really scary in terms of the drop off in business. If you remember, Sandy, um, yeah. we, we had a significant drop off and we ended up, you know, recovering and, and doing great, but, I don't know what caused that. I don't know. You know, I, like I said, maybe it's COVID fatigue or, you know, supply or, chain, you know, issues just, you know, finally hit a boiling point or something. Well, what's yeah. interesting volatility. is, yeah. it, well, exactly, Chad, it, talk, talking to some of my business authors, um, one of them said it so perfectly is that we went through a decade of normal um, business cycles all in 12 to 18 months. So the, the, the volatility, the, we're in a recession. We're not in a recession. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that's it's, the it's, recession it's, 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 you know, um, it, and I see it through the lens of, of my son who graduated from college in 2020, he had three or four job prospects and almost, you know, real offers in January, February, as he was leading to graduation and <sighs> interviews, they all dried up in 2020. Right. Wow. And then, Wow. And then he he struggled. He did some um, some internship work from home, but it was really hard. Then he got a job in 2021. It wasn't a great job. And then all of a sudden, at the end of 2021, um, companies were throwing stupid money at these college graduates because they it was such a shortage. People were laid off, and people came back to work, and the salaries were were crazy high. And then and and, and it just that that whole volatility and what that does for the publishing world, what it does for authors' budgets and, and their planning. Um, so it was interesting that this this business leadership author was saying, you know, that people have gone through um, such crazy changes in their own finances, their own job prospects, um, which does impact people who buy books. You know, TikTok was became you know a, a household word during during um, COVID, mm -hmm. and what that has done to 
um, the book world, for example, like all these shifts, all these changes that, as this person said, usually, you know, go through a 10 year cycle, went through a 12 to 18 month cycle, and people kind of had a little bit of whiplash, just where do I spend my time? Where do I spend my money? What should I be doing? What should I be doing? Should should I be renovating my my bathroom, buying a second house, getting a getting a new mortgage, refinancing, not refinancing? Uh, yeah, you think, know, I writing think, writing this book, not writing this book. But Chad, Chad, I think you you hit it right on the head. Is um, as we're talking about was the the volatility and the uncertainty that was in the you know everywhere. And I remember having you know our executive meetings, and we're we were talking about how this all this talk about the economy and the R word recession. People started for for a period of time started holding on holding on to their money, mm-hmm. and obviously that contributes to a recession in and of itself. Exactly. Um, you know mm. when people hold their money and aren't spending it. So I think you're right, Chad. It was because I remember specifically talking about you know in these meetings that you know this economy uncertainty is killing us, um, but then it it got better. So. Yeah, and, and for no real good reason that I could see, right? No, it's like people just really. like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> I'm going to exactly. go about my life. I'm, I'm done being scared. It just exactly. shows you that it's all a construct, right? It kind of is, yeah. <laughs> not, nothing is real. No, not at least of all money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. We've escaped the matrix. <laughs> I, I think we actually all are part of the matrix, and we're just getting closer <laughs> and closer to the heart of it. Let's talk about that, actually. Let's talk about social media. Um, Speaking of the matrix. Yeah, gosh. Speaking of getting sucked in, I guess. Um, You know, my entire life, it's been, oh, you're headed towards 1984. You're headed towards 1984. Well, it turns out we're headed to a brave new world. Yeah. So we're we're all going there willingly. (laughs) Oh, gosh. And apparently a little bit of Fahrenheit 451 thrown in. So Seriously. (laughs) Sandy's like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) You turn... um, Although the book banning situation is pretty scary, um, definitely. But let's talk about social media. <laughs> we could go in a totally different direction with po- this podcast, but we the don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. Well, I mean, I feel like you know, so, there's so much good about social media because it brings awareness. But then there's it's such a glut. Like it's so hard. The fatigue around social, I think, is huge. And for authors in particular, it's like, how do I use this to my advantage? And I watched an author get on Twitter. She was told, you need 10,000 followers, right? If you're going to get noticed by an agent or if you're going to have any kind of platform. So she worked her ass off. She was on Twitter, I would say, 20 times a day posting. And she did get 10,000 followers. But did that result in any book sales or actual readers? No. So how much time did she waste doing something because she was told you have to have 10,000 followers? And I feel like we need a bit of a reality check and we need to like help authors realize that we, we need a strategy and a plan and is social for everyone? Maybe not. Is it possible to sell yeah. books without a huge social following? I think it is, but I'm curious what you guys think. Well, I, I remember, um, and Sandy, again, you would know better. You're much more in the trenches still than I am, but that certain podcast or and it may still be this way. I don't know. Shows or um, publications would not are even better. Would would not, but they would not interview someone if they didn't have ten thousand followers. Uh, is, right, is that accurate, Sandy? Yeah, yeah. So so that that's actually shifting a bit too. Now you could have credentials, especially academic credentials, um, to go on a show. But you know, with, with some podcasts, they're looking for 
other people who have new audiences so that they can when the, when it, when the show airs that oh it's going to be broadcast that you know they're going to share the link and my podcast is going to be now listened to by brand new people and that's exciting because you have to from a media perspective you have to think about how the the, the journalists are um, judged and it's by you know how many people are clicking how many people are sharing and commenting so the more prominent guests that they're featuring the more likely that you know, their click-through rates and their um, views and eyes are going to um, grow because the, the person they're featuring has a strong following. However, I, I do think that that's, that's changing a bit, not so much that that's, they're still kind of judged that way, but it goes back to content and audience. Um, and, and we are seeing more opportunities for people who understand, and I know, Jennifer, we've talked about this in the past, who their ideal, who their book is for, who their brand is for. When people say it's for everybody, it's mm. for nobody. The kiss so of death. Instead of, yeah. The kiss of death. They're like, <laughs> oh, we don't want to hear that. So instead of being on every single social platform mm-hmm. out there, um, that's typically not the, a great strategy because it's the same thing. You're not there for everybody, for everything. And if you are going to be on social, We'd rather see you dive in deep into one platform, maybe two platforms, because it, it, it's, it takes a lot of time to, yeah. to do it authentically. I just saw an article in the New York Times this morning about how influencers are going back to nine to five jobs because they're realizing it's a lot of Less work. work. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I, I just just saw that today. So, ten, I, I, you know, when people say to me, "Should I start Twitter?" I'm like, "Well, if you were going to, you should to, to promote your book that's coming out in you know four months. <laughs> you should have started you should months have, 2005. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. But if you know to be, be on Twitter, like you said, you know, experts say you got to tweet seven to ten times a day, seven days a week, and quite frankly, that's not great for most people's personality or or time, but if you can find where your target audience are, are that, that they're sharing ideas and, and, and go on there, you know, once or twice a week, and we can help them with strategies that's authentic to who they are, that they're enjoying it. And they're supporting other authors, other people sharing topics that are passionate to them. It's it, Then it's not a job. It's part of what they might naturally be doing. And that's where they're going to find their network. But we also do say, um, and we're hearing reports from our our authors that the most successful way that they're 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 building their network is through their own email lists, mm-hmm. and that sets up the stage for their next book and their next book and their next book. That's and right. that they can use use social as a spoke, right? But it's their website, it's their own brand that they can control, um, and, and sharing relevant information about their work, about their book that we're seeing the authors reporting back to us of what's actually important in book sales and in building their brand and their network. And, and Jennifer, I, I would, I, I, Sandy mentioned TikTok and it is undeniably pow- very powerful and can be hugely effective for some authors. But I have to be the old man coming out of the woods saying, I can't stand it. <laughs> I, I think it's the bane of our existence. It's going to lead yeah. to the end of the world, but I, I, it is uh, in a, there's this talk of, you know, uh, the government's going to ban it. I don't know why I don't understand that, but 
I'm thinking, I, I, I'm being a little sarcastic, but I wouldn't mind. But I, it's, it is deliberately <laughs> addictive. And yeah. I, just, I, yeah. I, I just can't stand it. But I thought I'd throw and that I, in there. You know, there's, and, and, there's and, just too many socialists and, there for the government to be comfortable with that's that. Right. <laughs> that's and, right. And, and I actually love TikTok. It is my favorite social platform. So there you go. I learn so much every day. So there we go. There's the two the two um, yes. opposing views of, of, of TikTok. Yeah. I get book recommendations. I am on such weird things, and which I love about TikTok. I get Excel pivot table um, tips. Like, wow, this is really fantastic. From from recipes to weird cat videos to <laughs> um, some news, and it, it's just it's just mindless. Um, but it's not mindless in that I am learning a ton of, yeah, of stuff no, that's just important I, to me. Yeah, I can, I can, I, I can attest to that. It, it absolutely, it is, can be, you know, amazingly powerful. And Sandy does get a lot of information from it. I, I just, uh, <laughs> it's just not for me. But I don't deny how useful it can be. But, <laughs> but, but from a book perspective, boy, Colleen Hoover. Let's just say her, her, her name. Yeah, and. What TikTok did for her career in the backlist titles—it's—it it was wonderful to see authors um, sell billions of dollars a book through right. people, through regular people recommending their titles. It's—it mm-hmm. it's, it's, it was wonderful to see. Yeah, and, and like like Sandy said, I think a, a key point it, with TikTok or any of them, I, I I've talked with people and they say I'm going to go become an influencer on TikTok or promote my book on TikTok. And they, they, many of them do not realize how much hard work goes in to these people who are successful at these um, being influencers or promoting something. It's, as Sandy alluded to before, it is so much work to do it right and to become successful. And I think a lot of people just think they can go on there and start um, talking about something and, you know, and they'll become influencers. But it is, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it really is. It's exhausting. But and, it's powerful. I, it is. But, I, I have a, a good friend whose daughter is a well before TikTok is a very very successful um, influencer in her field, and people say, "Oh, that's all you do is do YouTube videos," and <laughs> she always says, "Go ahead, go ahead, you do it. You, yeah. you can do it too." Yeah, yeah you want to you want to no, write no a one, script, you want to video yeah. it, you want to edit it. Yeah. And, and 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 do it four times a week, and do uh, it, it's it's amazing how much work. And she's extraordinarily successful, um, brand wise and financially. It's like, but no one's stopping you. Go ahead. <laughs> you were going to so. say something, Chad. You were going to add to that. Oh, I was, I was going to talk about like, uh, if we used any of those like ten thousand followers metrics to allow someone onto the podcast. I mean, we wouldn't had have had amazing interviews with say like Elisa C or uh Sigrid Nunez or like any other amazing best-selling author yeah like these yeah. people have sold millions of books and have like 200 followers on any given platform <laughs> presumably because yeah. they're you know spending their time writing books but. yeah that is the interesting thing when I'm guiding you know our authors on social and giving advice on that don't look at the top selling authors because they're not a good marker for what's happening on social you you actually want to look at like mid-level people who are building mm-hmm. 
um, because the Lee Childs and the James Pattersons and, you know, um, the Sue Monk kids don't need to be on social necessarily. They've already no. built their audience. <laughs> right. So, you know, you have to kind of look a, a couple steps down in terms of, you know, book sales um, for someone who's got an audience and is really, Colleen Hoover um, took off like crazy, but that was all about her fans. That wasn't about her, her efforts. No, no. And her backlist and um, just people, yeah. word of mouth recommendation. Yeah. But that, that's it's such a great point is that, um, you know, years ago, people would say, I want to be the next, let's fill in the blank, Dan Brown. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, um, John Grisham, wh- whoever the, the, the um, you know, person in the news was, but that's not where you start, right? That's not, um, that, that's, that, you have to look at people who are more where, where you were. Reverse engineer, ago, right? Yeah. Reverse engineer it. Yes. And, and see it and, and see how their path to um, mm-hmm. moving up that list and, and, and moving up in success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, right. So like, you look at a book and say, okay, well, what are we recommending? What is similar to this, but not quite as popular? Where are they? Who do they follow? I mean, all of the data is out there. Figuring out your roadmap to success is it's already out there. We don't have to reinvent any wheels. And in fact, if you have to, there's a problem. That means there's not an audience for your book. Right, right, a, right. Or, or maybe could you ask um, some of the AI software how do? Who, oh, how let's do talk I, about AI. <laughs> I was just going to go there. Writing scripts. So Dan and I were talking this about this in the green room before. You know about it's exciting and scary at the same time. Um, what do you What do you guys think? What's well, I know we, Chad we, has an opinion. We, we've just and Sandy and I have and. And I think a few others in our company have to start to really dive into it to see. And again, it's part of like what you do and what any business does kind of try to if not stay ahead of the curve, stay with the curve. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it is, I, it, it's freaky to me. It's frightening, but it's amazing. Um, it's been, and everything I've been reading. See, we're all going to be back in the matrix. We're all heading back (laughs) to the matrix. And, and, you know, everything, and just in the last couple of days, I've really um, dove into it. And from the experts that I've read, it's not surprising that it is going to be very helpful for a lot of businesses, but it's not going to be the end all be all and, and replace, you know, the human um, the human intellect and the human um, elements of of what goes on, yeah, but it's definitely going to help. But it's not going to like destroy our world. <laughs> I was at the Southern California Romance Writers of Southern California meeting just last week, and a couple of the people were talking about how when they're stuck in a spot, they've been using Chat GPT to like <laughs> move ahead and then make it their own. And I wonder yes. how many authors are going to do this, right? And I also heard of this example where an entire class of students separate from each other handed in a term paper and they were all so similar that basically they all used chat GPT to write Gosh. their essay <laughs> and they all got caught. I guess, yeah. I guess that's, I, I, I often think about that. Uh, we have a son who's a sophomore um, who we mentioned before. And I, I guess I'm, I'm thinking, how do you stop that? But mm-hmm. I guess... One way to do it is you write the paper in the class, <laughs> so uh, you you can't do it. But I, yeah, because you you can have an entire term paper written, you know, instantly. It's crazy. It's crazy. For but me, but I think I, authors. Oh, 
Go ahead, Chad. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, for me, it's uh, when I was a kid, people are like, you're never going to have a calculator on you. Right. Well, I'm walking around with a freaking supercomputer in my pocket. <laughs> so having artificial intelligence like a chat GPT or the Google one or the Adobe one or whichever one in your, it seems like math classes allow calculators now at a certain point, mm. why not allow access to an AI that is writing your paper and then you fine tune it? Yeah. Because it's interesting. that's where life is headed. Mm -hmm. And if we expect yeah. to, you know, get beyond where we currently are whatever that beyond looks like, we're going to have to use I, I, everything I, I available also, to us. I, I read something fascinating where they're saying um, that they're developing an AI tool that can determine if something was written using AI. Right. So, um, Interesting. Well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Huh. But I, I, see it, I see it as a great tool for authors and potentially when you're looking at different book titles to, to, as a brainstorming. And, and the term I recently learned is called a, a level one like research, a baseline, where it's like, okay, I want to write a book about XYZ, ABC, what are some titles? And it could help you with the brainstorming. Now, yeah. a human's going to pick, to pick the right title, but at least it's a it's a starting point. And, uh, you know, I just went to, and, and Dan attended to, an, an agency AI um, workshop last week to, to, to really learn how other people are starting to harness this kind of exciting tool. It could be exciting, and it's scary, and it's um, just the unknown. And one of the things they, they talked about was the adoption rate when they had, they had a, a chart where it said it took Netflix three years to get to a million users. And some of these, you know, um, chat um, IA tools, it took five days to get to a million users. Wow. So the, adop the adoption is people are just excited to dive into this, but it, it, it just allows from a, from an author perspective, whether it, it, I just talked to an author who in her, her book was on the cover of Publishers Weekly, where the cover was um, generated 100% by artificial intelligence. And it's a beautiful, striking cover. And part of her book, she's an AI expert, and it's a, it's a, it's a memoir career type of book. Um, but it, 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 it just allows for some creativity. And I look at it kind of, Chad, to your point, um, I started my career as a graphic designer. Computer graphics were just starting. That. I won't say that's cool. Say how <laughs> how how old I was, but but computer graphics were just <laughs> people were just starting to use computers for graphics. So when I took a typography class, we were looking at books of typography and the size and 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 and, and pike, pikas and points and and right. when you when you when you did an ad, you didn't see what it looked like. You had to give a formula for the size and, and the type and the specs, and you would send it out, and you would come back to see the what what the ad might look like. And I was still in school when we started, you know, using PageMaker, and I worked for a company called Advanced <laughs> Computer Graphics, and we're a beta company. Now, the same thing, we were able to more quickly design i worked for nike and we were doing their sales flyers and the pump sneaker was the, the rage now but it's <laughs> awesome. so, you, so we still had these tools but it was still very much a human who was deciding what to put on the page and having these tools just sped up the process gave us more options and made our job a heck of a lot easier and more fun so i'm hoping that's what authors will be able to see with ai yeah yeah so workers output doubled 
but the compensation was not doubled, I'm guessing. What do you mean? Well, I mean, you, you, you're able to do twice the amount of work within the same amount of time as you were if you were doing the old manual oh, method. Oh, but you're not making twice but the But you're money. not making twice the amount of money. Hmm. That's true. Yeah. No, no. But also, could you charge the client half the amount? So that's that's what's 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 interesting is well that's um, kind of what happened with graphic design actually yeah and <laughs> photography and yeah right, it's a race to right. the bottom at that point mm -hmm. exactly mm -hmm. exactly so it, I'm I'm just hoping these tools uh, that we're just starting to scratch the surface of um, will help authors create to be more creative and not and to have input from different sources because sometimes it's hard to see beyond you know you like. What what are ten competitive titles for my book? Let's put this in in here and um, ask and see what comes up and and be inspired for that reverse engineering conversation, for example. I love that. So yeah, yeah. So That's so cool. I, I so while it's um, scary, I'm, I'm it, it excites me um, to see what what it can do to help people and hmm. uh, like the calculator in your pocket. Um, it's it's that same. Um, that same analogy of let's see what it can do to make my life easier. Yeah. Well, and you've got the, the one guy who just did a, a children's book. Mm -hmm. It's completely AI. And there, there was a hell of a backlash from that. The story and the cover. And right? all the illustrations inside. And the illustrations. Okay. So picture book. Wow. Yeah. Picture book. Mm. Well, this is a very all an interesting conversation. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but, you know, Dan, Sandy, I got to say, I love that you're excited about it, Sandy, because I think that's why you're at the forefront of, you know, innovation when it comes to new and unique ideas to, you know, for book publicity and getting visibility for authors. That's just really what you guys have always excelled at. And this just, you know, echoes that in my mind. Um, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate having you here. Oh, thank you, Jennifer. Chad, it is such a pleasure to um, to talk with you both and to uh, just explore what's happening in this crazy, great, exciting word, world of publishing. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Dear listener, you can learn more about Smith Publicity and their services at smithpublicity.com. Be sure to subscribe to their newsletter. They have amazing, wonderful information and you know things you can glean from it, just doing your own publicity. Definitely listen to their podcast and follow them on social. Again, that's smithpublicity.com. This has been another episode of The Premise. Visit us online at thepremisepod.com. Follow us on Twitter at podpremise and subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. It all helps. Until next week, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.